Welcome to Slide, the Avalanche podcast. This is episode 12, and I am your host, Doug Krause, coming to you from the depths of my soul on the shag carpet just the other side of nowhere. I hope life is treating you well. This week on Slide, we are reviewing tactics for making better decisions, specifically debiasing tools and techniques, tricks and sticks we use to spring brain traps before they grab hold and lead us astray. Debiasing strategy and tactics are grease for our decision-making process. They make sure things move smooth and nothing catches on fire. Debiasing strategies suggest ways to avoid being victimized by confirmation bias or excessive optimism or hindsight bias or any of their myriad ilk. They teach us how to dance around the brain traps or even use them to our advantage. There are two primary tubs of grease for decision-making. One is applied to a system, like a ski patrol or a guiding operation or a group of backcountry skiers. The other is for greasing individuals. I will let you visualize that for a moment. Debiasing content gets overwhelming in a hurry. I'm already chopping it in half. Next week, we'll focus on systemic strategies for mitigating bias. This week, we're dropping into what we can do as individuals to avoid or leverage brain traps. Let's say Cooter has been backcountry skiing all his life. He even has a little professional experience. Cooter is operating on instinct 95% of the time. In that, he's like every single one of us. We all default to instinct most of the time. Cooter is a prime candidate for brain traps, so let's grease him up to make better decisions. First, consider whether a decision should be made at all. Maybe Daisy just kissed Roscoe and Cooter is all kinds of fired up. He is primed to make an emotional decision, not a rational one. Maybe Cooter has been working since 5 a.m. and is exhausted. Maybe he has four or five things going on at the same time and is unable to give adequate attention to some of them. Maybe Cooter simply lacks adequate information for making an informed decision. There are tons of factors that may decrease one's fitness for making a decision. Fatigue, stress, task overload, uncertainty, primal jealous fury. This is the first shot of grease we're going to lay on Cooter. Before making a high-consequence decision, he needs to think about whether it's appropriate for him to make that decision. Don't just do something. Stand there. But if and he's just going to stand there, what are the consequences of not making a decision? It's always easier to slip with the default option, but Cooter knows the hazards inherent in running on autopilot of slipping into the default. One minute you're just cruising along, everything is fine, and the next minute you're in a Chiang Mai prison trading cigarettes for tequila. Perhaps you failed to make a few important decisions along the way. So what's up, Cooter? You going to make a decision or not? Make sure you at least consider the option. Fortunately, being the savvy grease monkey that he is, Cooter has primed himself with some pre-biasing tactics. Uh, some what? Wakarimasem. Some pre-biasing tactics. Things you do ahead of time that predispose you to act in a particular way. 
setting the brain traps to catch delicious bunnies instead of your head. Four delicious bunnies come immediately to mind. Four tactics we can use that set our brain traps to help us make better decisions. The first delicious bunny includes education, training, and planning. These are the most direct methods of guiding our decision train along the right track. Bunny two is Roger Atkins' strategic mindset paradigm. It's a way to frame our decision environment in a particular context. Atkins asserts that biases are created by our mindset. His strategy leverages that towards a desired behavior pattern. I will surely butcher the system if I try to summarize it in two or three sentences. So, fire up the asado. For some reason, I am craving shallots and garlic. Quoting Atkins, Our mindset consists of a collection of attitudes encompassing our perception of the avalanche hazard and the desires that we hope to satisfy. The strategic mindset paradigm identifies seven common patterns of avalanche danger and associates a label and a typical operating strategy with each. Assessment, stepping out, status quo, stepping back, entrenchment, open season, and spring diurnal. The assessment mindset describes a high uncertainty environment where travel decisions are conservative. The open season mindset describes a low uncertainty environment where aggressive terrain choices are possible. The loose idea is that you are more likely to make conservative decisions throughout the day if you start your day with an assessment mindset. If you start with an open season mindset, you are going to give her. The other mindsets flesh out this theme. We are all going to start our day with preconceived notions anyhow. Why not articulate and share and assess those ideas, and use them to our advantage. Even a three-part paradigm could help. One, I'm just glad to be here. Two, let's go ski some cold pow. Three, I will crush this mountain and feast on its bounty. You can read about Roger's strategic mindset by searching for his ISSW 2014 paper entitled Yin, Yang, and You. Bunny C. Using a checklist is another way to guide your thoughts and set the initial context for the day. Actual, physical checklists are valuable for complex tasks that require best practice, like rescue or rocket surgery. But I've never carried a list and checked off items while I am skiing, and I probably never will, so let's ditch that term and call it structured planning. You can start your day with a routine that guides assessment. A routine that sets the scene for the rest of your day's decisions. Wake up. Roll over. Check the time. Look outside. Check weather obs. Check weather forecast. Check avalanche forecast. Identify terrain options. Make coffee. Repeat items 4 through 8 with coffee in system. That's a checklist. A structured planning and action process that will predispose you to behave in a particular way for the rest of the day, potentially. Planning guides process. Decision-making tools, rules, and protocols attempt to remove judgment from the process and thereby reduce the potential for bias. 
The Canadian Evaluator is a tool for guiding decision-making. I have a buddy that never skis above treeline when the hazard is greater than moderate. That's his rule. Personal or operational protocols support consistency in the face of complexity. They can be simple, like always wearing your beacon. They can also specifically target reassessment or debiasing. For instance, by having a 30-second powwow before you take your skins off. Never leave a hat on the bed. That's the pre-bias and greasy bunny spiel. Education, mindset, planning, and protocol. I mix and match them. I have a lot of education, training, and practice. I'll typically talk to my partner about our headspace. I have a morning routine that could be called a structured plan. Sort of. I don't use many rules, but I do like making them for other people. What about Cooter? He's a sharp redneck. At the beginning of the season, he took a companion rescue course to brush up his skills. He's going skiing today, so he cycles through his morning weather and avalanche checks. He calls up Cletus, and they decide to hit Hazard Gulch, hoping they can descend the Lulu, but thinking they'll probably just wind up cruising along Roscoe's Ridge. Once at the trailhead, the fellas do beacon checks and radio checks, and they decide they're going to stay on the ridge if the snow and wind pick up. Cooter and Cletus have greased their brains in a pleasing manner that will facilitate effective decision-making. They used structured planning to establish a mindset, supplemented that with protocol, and established a rule for the day. All of that rests on their training and education. Good thing, because Cletus tries to drop the daisy from the ridge and the whole thing rips out on him. Shit will happen. You can count on that. Cooter relies on his rescue training and protocol to guide thought and action and dig his buddy up. Things would have been a lot worse if they had gone higher and tried to tap the Lulu. And Lord have mercy, we have just finished personal pre-biasing and not even begun de-biasing or systemic strategies. In the name of maintaining a healthy gastrointestinal tract and not having to listen to the podcast four times, and making it easier for me to write the next episode, I'm going to leave you hanging with pre-biasing tactics. Education, training, and practice will grease your brain to behave properly when it encounters a challenging decision. Structured planning supports having the information you need to make a decision, ensures your process is fluid, and starts you off in the right direction. Mindset puts a label on that direction, and associates it with typical parameters. Rules? Schmools. But do as I say, not as I do. I mean, as I'm I'm gonna say, not as I just said. Setting up some personal protocols and decision-making guidelines will make your life in avalanche country safer and better. Pre-biasing. I'm home. It's good to be home. January in the San Juans presented a series of snow and avalanche cycles that has about a 10-year return period. 
maybe more. Then it blew like stink and got real hot. Now it's snowing again. Coverage is solid and the stability is good enough that I don't like to talk about it too much because I'm superstitious when I have a reason to be. I've been skiing because that's what I do. I've been reading the Avalanche Bulletin, which is not normally what I do, but I just got here. So, seems like a good idea. The team of professional mitigators and observers I often rely on is conspicuously absent. So, there is a wee dearth of information at my disposal. But after four tours, I think I got a handle on things. I spent the first two days in some familiar terrain. Me and the Wookiee cached a rope up there a few years ago on a particularly spicy day in the San Juans. The old rope disappeared and we never got back to set up the new one, but I was hoping some intrepid soul took care of that. Someone did. The rope protects a particularly exposed portion of an ascent that follows a ridge between opposite aspect start zones. Danger on the left, and danger on the right. Good place for a rope. It was deeply buried. So I start yanking on it and struggling forward, but the snowpack ain't giving up the rope so easy. It occurs to me that I am not particularly busy and could use some exercise, so I decide to dig it out. It's a beautiful day for a high mountain work project. I throw the skis on my back and bust out my shovel and start trenching up, straddling the rope. My trench is about a meter deep. There is a layer in there that feels like you could park a D6 on it. On top of that is a mix of rounding near-surface facets, a couple layers of temp crusts and thin wind slab, and then the new snow on top. My trench is progressing upwards, very slowly, an ascending test pit, and I pause to reassess. The first question I ask myself is, do I really want to spend an hour or more immersed in the apex of the greatest exposure on my entire route, with my skis on my back, straddling a rope? Because It's a good place for a rope. Fortunately, the answer is yes. Perhaps an odd conclusion, but I'm liking the D6 lair and it's a beautiful day, so the excavation continues. About halfway up, I skin to the top of the rope and start digging down towards the lower portion of my special trench, a descending test pit. That's easier and everything goes swimmingly. The rope is freed, I cut a branch and stake it clear a trench town. I drop off the north side in a cold, wonderful, recycled pow and take it on down to my truck. The next day I return and ski a different aspect. Long sweet tube with about 8 inches of creamy new on it. But I'm about an hour late, so the top is awesome. And it deteriorates to thin goo on an old sun crust as I descend. I go back and do a cold, dry lap off the north side. The next day, I go higher in a different watershed, north-northeast from 11-8. There's a familiar vehicle conspicuously parked at the bottom of what I used to think was the secret skin track. 
Needless to say, it ain't no secret no more and like never was. And I follow a broken track up deeper into the forest. It's clear that there are a couple folk in front of me, and I keep expecting their tracks to peel off in a different direction. But they don't. I've got my headphones in, and I'm listening to the Legend of Aladdin near Treeline when I catch up. Did you know there was a genie of the ring? Anyway, I pause the legend and put some eyes on one of the interlopers right as he says, We are so close now. I can't believe they are on top of the line. I came to ski. It's probably been six or seven years since I was here last. (sighs) I follow up and round the corner and it's my old buddy Zoot. And a friend. So we have a happy little catching up and laugh about our pretense of territoriality. It's a small happy world when you love to ski and you do it all the time. And we crush cold recycled pow together to the valley floor. I am belaboring you with this inane prattle because folk frequently tell me they want to hear more about my decision-making process. Well, you just heard me build a baseline. I followed the weather from overseas, so I knew that the seasonal history here was snow, 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 wind, 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 sun, sun, hot, hot. Some big avalanches in January, but now the pack is mostly set up. I traveled over 10,000K, built the fire, and unpacked my junk. I talked to some folk. I read the forecast, checked the weather stations, and dug my 1 meter by 1 meter by 30 meter test pit. I ski checked a variety of aspects and elevations and started giving her. That's the baseline. Easy peasy. Today I skied with my buddy, the Highwayman. We texted a tentative plan last night and were serendipitously already on the same page. In the morning, the weather clearly shut down our plan and I remembered I was supposed to do snow pits for Mrs. Ripper's second grade class. I was worried. The second graders always challenge my knowledge of vapor transfer within the snowpack. Not kidding. Fortunately, the wee folk postponed, so Highwayman and I sipped coffee and mulled options. Because options are power. Options define your available margins. We settled on a time frame that kept it close, then settled on a watershed, then on a zone in that watershed that had at least four good options. We stacked options and rolled out. The weather alternated between bluebird cold and dry and oppressively driving snow and wind. Usually we call that spring. We moved into the deep forest and climbed up through about 20 to 30 centimeters in new. The elevation of my sleep quadrupled a few days ago, so I was grateful for the lack of slog. Nearing treeline, option R didn't seem so good. Sunny, windward aspect, so we kept climbing. Just above treeline, we found 40 to 60 centimeters of new lead to the ridge. It was cracking and shearing a bit, but didn't really have much 
oomph in the technical sense. So we went up and we went to the top and the top looked good. There are sneak options left and right of the primary start zone, but we decided to push a bit on the high point to see if we could get a release. She did not seem to care, so we gutted it. And it was real fine. Long fat tube. Easy peasy. If you look, you can see the traces of our pre-biasing mechanisms. We both have education, training, and practice up the wazoo. I used a seasonal, recent, and morning monitoring and assessment process to frame a mindset. Structured observation and assessment is part of the highwayman's job. We compared informal mindset and reassessed periodically. No formal system, just two guys in their place, talking to each other and working it out as we go. We knew the terrain and knew the pack and we knew the weather and we knew each other and we knew ourselves. Uncertainty was low and evidence was high. If you can check those boxes, bien hecho, you got it. Give her. And I think that's pretty much a wrap for this episode of Slide, the Avalanche Podcast. If you enjoyed Slide, the Avalanche Podcast, I encourage you to subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. The music this week is brought to you by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech, and emotional support is provided by the Avalanche Review and DPS Skis. To all of you that continue to keep the faith and provide me with feedback, thank you. Pray for snow.